Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Right now, wow. Uh, but I had a, an incredible experience in time to uh, meet Dr. Alveda King this week and go to dinner with her and, and get to know her, and she's absolutely a precious soul, an incredible minister of the gospel, and someone that I'm excited to introduce to you. Uh, she is the daughter of Martin Luther King Jr.'s brother. He and his uh, brother were both civil rights activists. Obviously, we know, most of you know, um, obviously, that Martin Luther King died for his faith and for his belief uh, in equality and for rights for all Americans, no matter what, uh, what they look like or what their background. But many of you didn't realize that his brother also died for that cause and for that movement. And Alveda has lived her life and grown up inside of that cause. And at a time like this, I have personally, I've never seen more division in America ever in my personal lifetime. I just haven't seen it. And so it's really challenging in this time to lead and to be, and to figure out what to say and what to do in the midst of such a chaotic and, uh, and honestly, a caustic world that we live in right now. Everything's a fight, everything's a battle. And so when I heard of the opportunity to have an expert and a veteran and someone that's given their life to the cause to come and share some time with us, I was just really excited. And I hope you're excited too. Would you please help me to welcome Dr. Alveda King to the stage? but it should get louder. Do this for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. For Jesus, for Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Have a seat just for a minute. I'm going to ask you to stand back up in a moment. Uh, Pastor, thank you. This is such a special place. A lot of times when I travel, especially on Sunday, I get homesick. And I wish I was back home. But I feel like I am at home. It's amazing. Do you know how special this place is? Pastor Joel, Pastor Jim. Jennifer, I have a daughter named Jennifer, and uh, Natasha, and David, and Ian, and Chris, we're all here, and now I've got a whole new family. It's amazing to me. I'd like for you, just for a moment, because I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, too. The atmosphere has been so wonderfully set. I'm going to have to take some of those songs back home with me, because I love Jesus Christ. Him crucified, and if I get in the fire, he really is there with me. Isn't that amazing? And you too. He is the great I am. As a matter of fact, we've got a new song, and I wish Ian could tell you about it, because it has 42 or three names of God in the bridge, and we only had three minutes to do it. We thought it was impossible, but it happened. You'll hear about that later, okay? Natasha is singing on the song, though. Thank you. Really, honestly. Yeah. So not the Yahweh song, but you're singing, or the Pass of Righteousness. And she's doing such a wonderful job on that. If you don't know where the Pass of Righteousness are, you'll find them. You're, you're really on it here, so you don't have to even be concerned, because you're already on it. So stay. Now, I can't take up all the time, so let me do this. Can you close your eyes for a minute and put your right hand off your heart? 
And if you feel moved as I do this, if the words, if you know any of it, you can begin to stand up and raise your hands and worship the Lord in it. It's a little medley, and I did record it. But we're getting ready to wade into some deep waters, some places that are going to be kind of strange. And as we wade into those waters, your heart is already before God. It's already melting. So follow me. I'm going to sing an old slave song, but I'm going to sing it in today's message. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom. Over me, over me. I no longer am a slave. Christ is risen from the grave. Christ is Lord. I am saved. I am free. That's for everybody, not just any skin color. That's everybody. Get that one. Okay. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven rings. Rings with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicings rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now everybody stand up. We're going to do this one together. It's the very end of how great thou art. And if you don't know it, just pretend you do. Your neighbor won't know you don't know it. Just pretend. Okay. All right. We're just doing the very end. Raise one hand over your heart and one hand towards heaven. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Give God a hand clap. Hallelujah. All right. We can be seated. I don't have to talk about me. We're just going to get into the questions. Hallelujah. Thank, Thank you. you. That was beautiful. I, um, I'm really, you didn't tell me you're going to make me cry right off the bat. I'd have had some Kleenex up here. Um, this is something I'm really excited. Uh, Dr. King doesn't have, she doesn't know any of the questions I'm about to ask her. Uh, I sent him over late at night and she was already asleep, so she didn't see him. So we're going to get real answers today. Um, but I was curious about a, a number of different things. And the reason I'm so passionate about this is, is I 
I grew up in a family. My parents, Ken and Jean Scribner, um, raised me to love everyone. Everyone. With an innocent perspective. And so to be in a world like this right now where it seemed like we had made so much progress and come so far, and all of a sudden it feels like we've regressed a decade or two. Uh, yesterday we remembered 9-11 in that horrific day that we experienced uh, 20 years ago that changed our world. And the thing that was most impactful to me about that season in our American history is it brought us all together. It didn't matter what color, didn't matter what religion, didn't matter anything. It brought us together. And, and in that time, I was very hopeful. Um, and it's, it's, it's challenging right now, Dr. King, to try to lead a body of people to be unified when every voice coming at us on the television is divisive. So obviously this has been your life's work. You grew up in a family that was devoted toward uh, unity and, and uh, equal rights. Can you share with us how this shaped your life and, and kind of how you got on this course and how growing up in that family affected you? I'll do a little history lesson with that. In 1950, my mom and dad were engaged to be married. And uh, this is for the young people. Anybody here younger than 40? Whoa, wow. 30? Come on. Okay, this is for y'all. A long time ago, young folks, we didn't go on dates. We courted. And that meant we could go get ice cream, roller skate, do all kinds of things together, but we didn't go to intimate places with someone we were interested in. My parents became engaged in 1950. So my mother's mother says, well, you can go on a date because you all are going to get married. But remember that with a date, physical intimacy is involved sometimes. Okay, so they guarded over that. So mom, guess who showed up on one of those dates? Can y'all figure that out? Okay. Long story short. So mom and daddy wanted to graduate from college before they got married, but here I was. So they were going to have a procedure back then. Abortion was illegal. So they were going to have a DNC or something like that, an exploratory to see what was going on. But the unfortunate thing with the DNC, anything that's going on is gone, right? So granddaddy, Daddy King, says to my mother, Nene, they're lying to you. That's not a lump of flesh. That's my granddaughter. I saw her in a dream three years ago. Now, this was a prophetic ultrasound right? And she has bright skin and bright red hair, and she's going to bless many people. Well, I was born January 22nd, 1951, looking just like that. So I had a grandfather who believed the Bible. He believed in choosing life, and he stood behind it. That's Martin Luther King Sr. A few years later, Martin Luther King Jr. was teaching and preaching, and he said, the Negro cannot win if he's willing to sacrifice the futures of his children for immediate personal comfort and safety. Now, that's what he said. Now, Planned Parenthood tried to give him an award and all that, and they tried to pretend he was for all of that. But abortion was illegal when he was killed, okay? So here I am, this little child with no clue of anything, 
that was going on about any of this. And I was growing up in the civil rights movement in 1963. Our home, the home of A.D. and Naomi King, the church parsonage was bombed in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, some people wanted us to believe that that was white folks and white folks were evil. But guess what, Pastor? White folks were praying with us, going to jail with us, crying, and sometimes dying with us. So skin color does not define who we are in Christ Jesus. It just doesn't. It doesn't. So skin color is socially engineered, your race and my race. No, no, there's one human race, Acts 17, 26, of one blood. God made all people. As a matter of fact, there's only one critical race. There is one. I bet y'all don't know what it is. What is it? The human race. Not skin color races. God didn't even divide us over skin color. The Tower of Babel was divided over what? Anybody know? Language, not skin color. That's ethnicity. And it's very important because, you know, people say, I'm colorblind. I can't see your skin. I say, I can see your red shirt or your blue shirt or all that. I can even see the color of your eyes. But you can't see my skin because you're blind. Jesus gives sight to the blind. <laughs> Come on, recognize my ethnicity. As a matter of fact, I'm part African, part Irish, and part Native American. And we took all the DNA tests and all that. So then what am I? Anybody know? What kind? Human. Somebody got it. Any Andorians or Klingons out there, though? <laughs> don't, don't get up if you are. We, we don't know. So I'm going all around to answer the question. But I was brought up in a family. Martin Luther King Jr. articulated more, and you know him. And now there's a new FBI movie out. What did he do? What he didn't do? I said, y'all, y'all talking to the woman at the well, woman caught in the act. Jesus got me and redeemed me. I've even been on Damascus Road and had to get knocked off of a high horse. I've even been like Queen Esther. If you don't speak out, you and your father's house will be forgotten. God's going to send deliverance. So we are human. If you read John 3.16, it doesn't give one category that's going to be favored over the other. Skin color should not divide us. It's ethnicity. It should be celebrated. It absolutely should be. But it's not supposed to divide us. There's one critical race. It is the human race. That's good. That's good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what do you feel like as, as the church? Um, we, we, I mean, there's, there's no way around it. The church still 11 o'clock in the morning is one of the most divided times during the week. Uh, we work with people that look different than us. We do sports with people that look different than us. But then when it comes to church, we, we divide. Is it, what are we doing wrong and what do we need to change? Some of my friends have gone on to glory for various reasons that I would say and talk to them. The black church has to do this. The white church has to do this. The Asian church has to do this. The black and brown church. I said, what church are y'all talking about? Wait a minute, I don't get this. And if, you know, if uh, ethnicity or age group, because it can happen with your age too, some of the young people won't come to church because they think the pastor's too old and can't relate to them. Some people won't come to church 
because the pastor doesn't live in this neighborhood or that neighborhood and doesn't relate to them. But if somebody has the nerve to be a pastor, it takes a whole lot of nerve, I hope you know that, then they are required by God to minister to the fullness of the body of Christ. I'm an evangelist. See, I won't say my job is easier, but I get to go and tell them about Jesus and bring them to you, see. <laughs> and so and that's the hard part. So once we get here, I, f I promise you, I felt just as home here. And the majority of the people at our church are African-American, not all of them, but the majority. But I felt just as home here because it seems like the majority may be more uh, ethnically you know, not as, as, as many African-Americans here as at my church, but I felt exactly at home. I could have stayed here all day. So if we're dividing by skin color, Billy Graham, evangelist Billy Graham, do I have time to tell a little story? Okay, so I used to think I knew everything. <laughs> I did, honestly, I'm back in school getting another PhD now, I'm 70 years old, I'm always trying to learn something. So, I was a college student, it was in the 1970s, and I was getting a degree in journalism and sociology. One of our assignments, you have to interview a personality. Well, evangelist Billy Graham was in town, and because of the relationship to my uncle and our family, I was able to interview him. Oh, I was ready. And I'm asking him questions, and he had the most startling blue eyes, my goodness. Well, yes, uh, Dr. Graham, don't call me doctor. Well, Reverend Graham, don't call me Reverend. Call me Billy Graham. Because he was a humble man. He didn't want all those titles. I said, um, Mr. Graham, what would you say is the most important thing that someone can do today? His answer was, we should all pray without ceasing. Now, young folks, here I go. Nobody can pray 24-7. That was a new phrase back then. And the man looked at me, like pastors looking at me, he says, I'm praying for you right now. <laughs> oh, talk about getting knocked off of a high horse. So the evangelist, the, his ministry, he said in the 1950s, he said to his congregation, because back then, believe it or not, they divided congregations according to skin color. And if your skin color was a certain thing, you had to sit way in the back with a group. Now that was ridiculous. He said, Billy Graham said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to preach with any human being that loves Jesus Christ. I'm gonna invite this young man, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to preach with me. Do you know they stood together in Madison Square Garden and preached together? And my uncle later wrote, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is still the most divided hour in America. Now, we've come a little bit further. It's better. But we still think we're separate races. And that's what we've got to see. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must learn to live together as brothers. And I'll add as sisters or perish together as fools. He didn't say cousins, sisters, next door neighbors. He said brothers. Now, we can't be brothers and sisters if we're not the same race, the human race. And if we're worshiping skin color 
And this is hard for anybody to get. I wrote a book with Ginger Howard. Y'all should look that one up. It's called We're Not Colorblind. So Ginger had written in one of the chapters, well, we had the help when I was a little girl. Ginger, you cannot call people the help. Did y'all see the movie The Help? Oh, Lord. I said, they are entrepreneurs. When they're in your home, they have the same responsibility that you do. They have bills, they have a house, and all of that. You have to see everybody as a human being of equal human dignity and human worth, regardless of skin color. I wrote in that same book, and it was very hard. There was a girl I was in college when my uncle was killed. And I wanted to hate white people. I wanted to blame somebody. And it broke her heart, because she was a Caucasian girl. And I said all kinds of things to her because of her skin color. I've never been able to find her again to apologize. But God sent Ginger and me, and we are like sisters. And we've cried together we've worshiped together. So if we're battling over skin color, over sexual issues as well, anyway, everybody's created in the image and likeness of God. We are born into sin. There is a difference. So if anybody says God wanted me different, he wouldn't have made me like this. Try to remember God made you in his image and likeness. God doesn't have diabetes. God doesn't have cancer. God doesn't have sexual issues. God's not fighting with anybody about where his house is. I think we have to do the same thing so we could get to his house last time I checked. So that's a serious thing to consider. I told you we were going to wade into deep waters. Y'all, you okay? Is everybody okay? All right. Okay, Pastor. So I, I, one of my questions was, and now I, I feel like I realize a little bit of the answer because of the nature of how you were born, but you've been an activist not just for civil rights but for life um, in a very powerful way. What is the, where's the, where does the passion come from, and what is the motivation there? God has blessed me to love humanity and human dignity, and that's why uh, after 16 years of working for an organization called Priests for Life, which primarily it's dealing with the scourge of abortion, which is terrible. And I'm very good at educating, informing, educating, and activating in that area. But I continue to be concerned about human dignity from the womb to the tomb. So I just said it had to be more comprehensive. And my greatest concern has been young people because, believe it or not, three generations go by, and if something is not taught, people will forget it. That's why you have to have the five-fold ministry gift in every generation, because people will actually forget. Do you believe? I was out speaking. I'll give you a great example to some young people. They were probably middle school children. And so I asked the question, has anybody heard of Martin Luther King Jr.? And they were so glad. Yes, yes, yes. I said, tell me who he is. And the child said, didn't he free the slaves? I said, that's a, a few years difference, like quite a few years. I said, that was actually Abraham Lincoln. But see, we could get that. But then, believe it or not, the slaves in Texas, 
didn't know they were free until almost three years later, Juneteenth. So if you, we don't teach truth, I am the great I am. I am the Lord your healer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we don't teach that in every generation, people will forget it. So Speak for Life deals with life and human dignity. That's my new organization, by the way. 70 years old, I have the nerve <laughs> to start something new. Oh my God. But we have to teach the young people. And they're not our future, they're our now. We're breathing the same air, same time. So we have an obligation in every generation to do what you're doing here. You know, one of the things that is hard for me in this, this last period of time, I don't know if I'm, Hello. there we go, there we go, um, is exactly what you had just mentioned, is that everything in this last a couple of years. I mean, 2020 was a massively divisive year. Uh, we saw cities burning all across the country. We saw um, just just incredible division, specifically focused on skin color, which is what you're saying is the thing not to focus on the human race, not to focus on the color of skin, but, but recognize the whole it. human race. But as, human okay. So how as the church? Because I mean. We, we watched families be completely torn apart, separated. We watched church members. I mean, we had people leave our church during that time, um, and I was actively trying to unify, but people leave the church because as a, as a and I'm, I'm a mutt too. I'm mixed up in all kinds of stuff. I got all kinds of flavors inside of me. Uh, but, but I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm trying hard to unify, and we as the church are even focusing on the exterior. We're focusing on the outside. What can we as the church do differently when we're inundated and bombarded with a message? Just, I mean, whether it's critical race theory being taught in our schools um, that from my understanding is extremely contrary to the message of Jesus Christ because it teaches condemnation and shame uh, projected on a certain, on certain people group based on what their ancestors did. Uh, when the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've got to figure out a way to work together um, to overcome. What can we do better in that regard? One mistake we made in, uh, 20 years ago with the 911, the message we will rebuild came out, and that was good, and there was some prayer, but it was, this is America, we will rebuild. Well, without God's help, it could not happen. So God has to be the center. And I said to some of my friends, one of them has gone on, and, and we had this wonderful ceremony, and it was beautiful. And the, the Caucasian people came to wash our feet, the black people and all that. I said, I'm not coming to another one of those. I'm just not doing it. I said, if I can't wash your feet and you wash my feet, I'm not coming. So it's my understanding that last year at the 911, a group of African-American kids showed up at one of those meetings and they washed the feet of the Caucasians. The Caucasians felt guilty. No, we need to wash your feet because we were wrong and you were slaves and all that. They said, that's true, but we were wrong too. So can we all stand before God as human beings, as one race and wash each other's feet? So, now that's a hard lesson, especially if you're African-American, because you know, we've been through a whole lot. And if people ignore my ethnicity, you're ignoring my pain and my victories. So I want my ethnicity recognized. Of course I do. 
all of it. But first, we all have to repent because we bought the lie that we were separate because of skin color. We have to repent. We have to ask God to forgive us for our sins. Then we have to ask God to help us forgive others because is it, is it a mark? Have faith in God and when you pray, pray believing so and forgive so that your Father in heaven can forgive you. So there are some people I can't forgive. I, I, and it tests me every day. Jesus, I'm not going to even tell you I had one yesterday. It was very difficult. I said, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. Can you help me forgive? Can you help me see that person with your eyes, Jesus' blood, Father God, not willing that any be lost? And when you begin to see people that way, you can forgive others. The hardest thing for me has always been to forgive myself. God, how are you going to forgive me when I had two abortions and a miscarriage because of that? How are you going to forgive me because I did this, that, and the other? One more story. This really happened, young folks. This was before I was born again. I became a born-again Christian in 1983. My whole worldview, I gave my life to Jesus after being brought up in the church. But this was in the 70s, and I had gone out to a nightclub. Yes, I did. Stop condemning me. Stop it right now. <laughs> so I left the group I was with. I was driving my own car. And they were like, maybe you shouldn't drive. I said, well, my car is like an old horse. It'll find its way home. How silly was that? It starts raining. I get on the street near my house. A bolt of lightning hits and knocks a live wire across my car. Back then, y'all, young folks, the cars were pretty much metal. I promise you I heard an audible voice. And I have this word high in my house that I could see every day. I heard an audible voice say, be still and know that I am God. Now, I had been drinking, but I was suddenly sober. I had my foot on the brake. The car was still running. I don't know how long I sat there, but I didn't touch anything. A team of instant responders or something came down the street, knocked on the glass, are you in there, ma'am? Are you okay? Are you alive? Yes, I am. They moved, removed the wire, opened the car. Are you okay? Yes, I am. Ma'am, if you had touched anything on your car, you would have been immediately electrocuted. So I didn't pay a lot of attention to there really being a God still then. But it wasn't many years later that I gave my life to Christ. And it's totally not perfect. I just told you I had a problem yesterday, believe me. And, and Chris will tell you this. I called somebody and I said, Chris, I know I shouldn't say this, but that person is really a B. And I said the word. <laughs> Chris said, I don't think you should have said that, Dr. King. <laughs> Two days later, I'm on an airplane. The passenger next to me, after a series of events, looks at me and says, you're an old bee. Said the same word. So I wanted to be vindicated and justified. God said, well, didn't you call somebody, what, two days ago? <laughs> oh, Lord, this is on, on social media. Oh, you can't erase it. Jesus, I just told the truth on myself. So, I'm not perfect, but I love Jesus, okay? 
All right. I think I said too much. No, that's great. That's great. I know nobody here ever would use any language oh, no. like that. None of them. Absolutely not. Very holy, very okay. holy. Okay, this is, this is one that I'm really curious about, and I, um, I found out um, just uh, two days ago, I didn't know this, um, but I found out that you were friends with former President Donald Trump, who is seen to be as one of the most divisive and racist and all of these different things. With your life's work and what you live to do, how does that work? I first met President Trump as candidate Trump, and I was impressed by him and his lovely wife, his family. I met all of them on the campaign trail. Dr. Ben Carson was running for president, and I was attached to his campaign. And as soon as he joined President Trump's campaign, I went with him. And I learned more and more every day about the nature of President Trump. And there were so many generous things he had done for people of every community. Somebody's in trouble, he paid their rent for a year. African-Americans, you know, different kind of things. Uh, two famous black African-American leaders. He got them offices on Wall Street and helped them to begin to get the equity, all this. But I knew for sure that he was not a racist when he was given his inaugural speech. And he said, we all bleed the same. I said, that's not a racist. He sees us as brothers and sisters. He sees us as Acts 17, 26. I knew for sure. And there were so many things he did for every community during those four years. And so uh, we did actually become friends with he and his wife. That's where I'm, did I first met, meet you at the White House theater? And there's a picture of me talking to Mrs. Trump, not even him. So at the time, but just uh, gruff. As a matter of fact, because we're probably running close to out of time, the first debate when there were 17 candidates running, and he walks out on the stage, and I actually said it, I wrote it in my book, Why Trump? I said, wow, he's like a bull in a china shop. <laughs> I said it, I did. And then the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that said, be still and know that I am God, that same spirit said, yes, and bulls are beautiful, magnificent creatures. And China is fragile. Now, in the next four years, did we find out how fragile China really is? Did we find that out? So I just said, wow. So understanding his character, his nature, he's totally not a racist. And I have stood up against so many people calling me so many names. Because, you know, and I don't, so far, in 2008, I was uh, endorsing uh, Sam Brownback, who wanted to run for president. And God said, stop endorsing and start praying. So for several years, I've only been able to pray with candidates, not endorse. So I never endorsed President Trump. People think I did, but I prayed with him all the time. And I still pray for him. Thank you. Now, you're leaving here right after service. You're catching a flight, and you're heading back to... Atlanta, and you're at another event for Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. All right. Another good friend, I met Herschel. He won the Heisman Trophy in 1982. I was a state legislator. He, was, he came to Georgia, and he lives in Georgia now, and he received that award. And I said, this young man, I'm older, almost old enough to be his mama. But I just admire him and what he stood for. And do you know today, 
when you speak to him, he'll still say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. It's very obvious that he has humility, strength, and integrity. So I'm not endorsing, because I still don't endorse candidates. But I pray. God, see, I was so busy paying attention to politics because I've been elected as a state legislator. I've been appointed by two presidents. So politics was first and foremost in my mind. First thing I would do when I would wake up was turn on the news. So God wanted me to start praying. And in praying, I get to pray for some really great people, and Herschel is one of them. And that's what you're doing at his event today? Yes. Okay. Praying. And, I'm going to pray. And you're going to pray for us before yes, we leave. That's yes, something I, I really feel. She, uh, yes, I am. Dr. King prayed for Jennifer and I in the back room, and it was incredibly powerful. And I knew instantly I wanted her to pray over you all. Um, with all my heart, I want Oaks Church to be just a beacon of light in this entire region. I want Oaks Church to be a place of reconciliation. I want people of all backgrounds, all ethnicities, uh, all socioeconomic classes to feel like this is their home. I want Oaks Church to be a house of miracles. I want this to be a place where families are restored. I want this to be a place where dreams come true. And um, it's obvious that God's hand is upon your life, that he saved you while you were still in the womb. He saved you when you could have been electrocuted. And he brought you here and you're here with us. Um, you know, the Bible says one of the things we'll, we'll dig into in the next few weeks um, we, as we continue this series on I am is Jesus said, I am the light of the world, the light of the world. And in this season, as I mentioned earlier, it's just it seems like it's ever increasingly dark. Um, can you help us help us? And, and I, I think you mentioned you wanted to sing a little song maybe as well. And then I'll have you pray. But help us understand how can we be a brighter light for Jesus Christ in this day and age, in your opinion? If we each do our part, my pastor, Alan McNair, the founding pastor of Believers Bible Christian Church in Atlanta, he passed in 2015, his son is a pastor now, but he says the reason we all have to work so hard, everybody won't do his or her part. If we each do our part, some parts may seem to be bigger and some parts may seem to be little, but you remember the widow's mite, and she gave that one little coin, but that was more important than all the big gifts that others could give because that one little mite was needed just like all the big ones were needed. So we have lights, we are lights. Can, can I reverse though? Let me pray for Oak Church now. Can everybody close your eyes? And uh, Pastor Jennifer, can you come up? Okay, one, yeah. So Father, bless this church the mission that you've given these pastors and these powerful, wonderful uh, members, everyone attached to it, who, if it's either, even by social media, if some are viewing and not here in the sanctuary, blessed with the mission that you have given them to be a light, to worship the great I am, to be a beacon and a message, like that strong and mighty oak tree. Sometimes the seed of the oak is in the ground and you can't see it, but it's still growing and expanding, and when it comes up and becomes that mighty, mighty oak, let us remember that it was once a seed. Lord, the seed that is being sown here is good seed. Let it bear much, much, much fruit in the name of Jesus. I bind and curse any spirit of darkness that would come against the message, message and the mission and empower and enable and increase in the name of Jesus on every level. Bless these precious pastors and those who stand so faithfully, Lord. Multiply, multiply, multiply every seed sown in Jesus' name.
All right, all right. Can you all, can you all stand together right in the center and hold hands, because this is an example. Stand right in the middle, hold hands. Can you hold hands with your neighbor and you say, I don't like them? Just pretend, fake it, fake it. Come on, nobody will know. You can stand, you can stand. I'm gonna sit for a second. I twisted my ankle a long time ago. Well, not too long, but it's better. But I've got a lot to do today on this ankle and I'm not riding wheelchairs in the airport anymore. So I'm gonna sit here for a minute. So here we go. You know the song, but I'm gonna give you two verses that you might not know. So let's sing it together first. This little light of mine sing. I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Sing, I don't hear you. Yes, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now listen to this one. If your light won't shine, please don't put out mine. Oh, if your light won't shine, please don't put out mine. This little light, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Now let's sing the kind verse. If your light won't shine, I'll share some of mine. Oh, if your light won't shine, I'll share this little light. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. God bless you. Give God a hand clap. I love y'all. I gotta go. Can you guys stretch your hands forward and we can pray over her? She's got to get to the airport, but we want to pray over her. As she, we'll, we'll just Let's make one second. Her. Yeah, just, oh, we're going to pray for your foot too. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for Dr. King. We thank you for your love that shines through her so brightly. We thank you for the unity that she represents and the healing and the reconciliation that she represents. And Father, we ask you that you would magnify her voice in this season, that you would elevate her presence, Father, and give her the ability, as she said, she prays for lots of people and has the opportunity to release the anointing of the Holy Spirit into atmospheres where oftentimes he may not have been invited before. Father, would you give her the ability to release a supernatural impartation of your presence, your spirit, your anointing that flows so powerfully through her, God? And would you compound the efficacy of your Holy Spirit inside of her life, that her life, that the anointing flow through her, the anointing breaks the yoke, the scriptures declare. Father, would you break the yoke that holds people bound in their minds, break the yoke that holds people bound in their patterns of life, Father, and release healing and freedom in Jesus' name. Give her supernatural su success and protection today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.